Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. College football Saturday means you get a college football scoreboard heading your way here. Let's take a look at some of the early action going on across the country. Big one in the Big 12. Oklahoma visiting Baylor, number eight Oklahoma, who is still undefeated, but they have not played really anybody this season. Uh, They're trailing Baylor 17-7 with four minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And Baylor, I believe, just put a touchdown on the board, making it 24-7 now. So Oklahoma on life support there. They are staring their first loss directly in the eye. Uh, I would imagine that will tank their college football playoff hopes as they were – they were not getting respected by the committee at all. Uh, also, we've got Michigan and Penn State in the Big 12. That one is tied 14-all in the fourth quarter with seven and a half to go. Uh, you look at that Big 10 there. Uh, a 14-all game in the fourth quarter, that is some classic Big 10 action. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't get any more Big 10 than that other than literally just the game being in a cornfield that would make it even more big 10, but they don't really do that. So this is about the max you can have. And then also uh sec action. You had New Mexico state jumping out to a three Oh lead on Alabama. Since then though, the crimson tide have scored 59 unanswered points. It is 59 to three. And one of the more surprising outcomes, or at least one of the more surprising contests right now, is Florida. Now, they're playing Samford, and they paid Samford about a half million dollars to come to the Swamp and and get beat down. Well, this game is maybe one of the more absurd box scores you're ever going to see. The fourth quarter just underway. It is already 56-52 Gators on top of Samford. Not Stanford, Samford. An F... FCS school, I believe uh, the very first time a team has scored 42 or more points against an FBS team uh, from the FCS level since like 2015, and that was Portland State against uh, North Texas. So shout out to the Vikings of Portland State. Um, Yeah, we'll be keeping our eye on that Sanford-Florida game. That one just looking wild, Taylor. Yeah, I mean, 52-56, if you're a, a gambler, I hope you took the over on that one because, wow, we 108 points. We got 12 minutes left in the fourth. Oh, and Samford fourth and goal right now, currently on Florida's 15. So this could get real weird real quick, and uh, I like it. Look, it doesn't involve the Pac-12. It involves an SEC school, so let's get weird. Let's get yeah, let's, weird. Let's do it. Yeah, Dan Mullen, I can't imagine, uh, going to be Florida's head coach for much longer. Speaking of, before we get into the big three, the Huskies, with the announcement this week that Jimmy Lake would be suspended for at least the ASU game, who knows if it's any longer than that, and then also moving on from John Donovan. I, I mean, Taylor, how do you go in a five-year span from the college football playoff to where the Huskies are now? I, I mean... What, you're five years removed from that college football playoff. The team that is on the field right now should be the fruits of that labor from that run. And yet here we are in a spot where the Huskies are probably going to fire Jimmy Lake at the end of this season. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it is quite the turn for the dogs. I can't be too upset with it as a Coog fan, but I will say uh, there were a lot of calls when Chris Peterson was there that he couldn't win the big game. He got him to the big game, and he couldn't get him to, to get over the hill there. But, man, he certainly happened to get them to a whole lot of big games that they don't appear to be playing in anytime soon. So, uh yeah, if I'm Jen Cohen, I might be redialing the old Chris Peterson number and seeing if he's uh, interested in coming back to Montlake to coach. You up, Chris? You up? Yeah. Hey, uh, what's up? You up? <laughs> but yeah, we've also got uh, some big ones going on later on today. Number 19, Purdue, who has been a giant slayer of sorts this season. They go to the horseshoe and face number four, Ohio State. I believe they've taken down two teams already in the top five this year. Could they go for a third? Uh, as Mike Lefko, who grew up a Purdue fan, would say, they're the best mediocre team in college football. So uh, go Boilermakers, I guess. If you're if you're a fan of chaos, go Boilermakers today. Uh, but now uh, that is your college football scoreboard. Let's get into this hour's big three. Number one. Well, as was reported first by Adam Schefter and Diana Rossini, the Los Angeles Rams wide receiver Robert Woods suffered a torn ACL in practice on Friday. Uh, It was confirmed by his coach in a rather dramatic press conference. I'll let you go ahead and seek that out and watch it yourself. Uh, It's a little overdramatic for my taste and Curtis's taste, but teach their own woods went down with a knee injury and then got up finished practice but after doing uh media interviews went to undergo some tests with some discomfort and confirmed the injury so pretty tough dude to just be walking around on that finishing practice and all that team captain robert woods had 45 catches for 556 yards four tds on the seasons and that wasn't even the biggest rams news of the week as they went out adding to the group that just lost Woods, signing Odell Beckham Jr. on Thursday following his release from the Browns. Beckham will make his debut against the Rams on Monday Night Football. So buckle up. We're going to see a fun one on Monday night with two NFC West opponents. Number two. College football, the logic in this past week's playoff ranking unveiled might need some further explanations beyond what we were given on Tuesday night. Now, the Ducks of Oregon, they moved up to number three following Michigan State's loss to Purdue. They remain a spot ahead of Ohio State at number four, a team they beat earlier this season. That makes sense. What does not make sense, and here's where it gets funky, is this. Michigan State's loss dropped them to number seven in the rankings behind number six, Michigan. Okay, you following. Now, why do I bring up the Wolverines? Well, Michigan State beat them just two weekends ago. So why would you rank Oregon ahead of Ohio State but not Michigan State ahead of Michigan? I guess it's what have you done for me lately. As for the top two spots, Georgia and Alabama unchanged, and that will likely be the case until they meet in Atlanta for the SEC championship game in a few weeks. Elsewhere, the Bearcats of Cincinnati have become the highest-ranked group of five team ever as they sit at number five. Unfortunately for the Bearcats of the American Athletic Conference, there are not many massive opportunities left for them to impress the selection committee. They're going to have to hang their hat or lean their hat on that Notre Dame win of earlier in the season at the at South Bend. But that was a long time ago, and as we know, you gotta you got to impress late in the season if you're going to make your way into the college football playoff. Number three. 
Well, the NBA's probe into a possible pre-free agency tampering scandal centered on the sign-and-trade acquisitions of Chicago's Lonzo Ball and Miami's Kyle Lowry appear to have reached advanced stages, sources told ESPN. On Friday, the NBA has conducted numerous interviews with teams, executives, and player agents and has gathered electronic messaging of front office executives of four teams, the Bulls, the Pelicans, the Heat, and the Raptors, over the past three months, sources also told ESPN. Now, the league could reveal its findings and any penalties in the near future, so we will keep an eye on that. Teams could lose financial losses and draft pick uh, compensations as well due to this scandal. Now, standing-wise in the NBA, just as weird as we look in the Eastern Conference, and the Washington Wizards would be your number one seed if the playoffs started today, followed by a Kyrie-less Brooklyn Nets, a Chicago Bulls team led by a head-banded Alex Caruso, and none other than the juggernaut Cleveland Cavaliers. So quite the weird stuff happening in the East. West, a little bit more normal. The Golden State Warriors figuring things out. They're 11-1 and on the season. Suns, Jazz, Mavs round out your top four in the West. That is this hour's big three. Yeah, some topsy-turvy standings in the NBA, at least in the Eastern Conference there, as we all predicted, the Washington Wizards. Uh, the juggernaut that they are, uh, <laughs> leading the Eastern Conference, who could have and saw the that Bucks, coming? the Bucks, Curtis would be out of the playoffs if the playoffs started today. So they, not even in the play-in round of the playoffs, they would be completely left out of it. So weird stuff in the East, though. But the Knicks still in the mix, still uh, Bing Bong, still in the bing mix. Bong. <laughs> I do think it's interesting how they're investigating tampering with those two organizations, the Heat and the Bulls. Like we all know that goes down in sports. It's not just in the NBA that's also in the NFL like how else do these guys sign the moment free agency opens you have to have been in contact prior to the free agency window opening in all of these leagues we see it every single year in almost every single sport except for major league baseball because they love to take their sweet old time where guys sign the second free agency opens how do you do that without prior communication yeah, it's like the worst kept public secret in all of sports that just tampering takes place constantly. Is it good or bad? You know what I mean? Is it good that the NBA just sort of gets it done? It, it I don't appear to see any sort of collusion or malpractice by these front offices. It appears that, you know, they're all trying to just get better. They're just doing it in a time they're not supposed to be talking. So... To me, it doesn't feel like it's reached the point of uh, of a danger zone. But as Brock Hewitt always says, it's a slippery slope. And once you start down this, what what isn't a gray area then? So we'll keep an eye on that, uh, especially in the NBA, as things are uh, a little weird to start this uh, 2021 season. Well, and speaking of Brock Hewitt, his good friend Jim Mora back in yes. coaching. Leading the UConn football team. He'll be their head coach starting next season. I'm sure Brock has has sent some nice words along to uh, Jim Mora as those two famous for getting along. Famous for getting along. And now he gets Jim Mora gets to become a Husky Curtis like he tweeted out like he's so dreamed for so long. 
and uh, didn't know he, he was did. coaching. I actually, I actually thought he was just like you know a PTA member somewhere around here in the area. So you know, good on him, getting out there, still coaching, and uh, good luck to the UConn football program to getting those fans through the 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 winter into basketball season (laughs) yeah i can't imagine there is much fever for uconn football at at any stretch uh of the season but uh yeah shout out to him jim mora knows how to collect those buyout checks he got one from the seahawks for a few years got one from ucla for a few years now he's back on the sideline coaching uconn so uh shout out to him coming up in this hour we're going to take a much bigger look at the Packers Seahawks game coming up in 15 minutes. But up next, we'll go around the NFL, look at some of the biggest headlines as we're less than 24 hours away from week 10 of the season. That's next here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Ah, oh, that music. When it hits. You know we're talking NFL headlines. I mean, from coast to coast, you just know. And uh, like Taylor mentioned in his big three to start the hour, uh, one of the big stories in the NFL this morning, Robert Woods, the Rams receiver, tore his ACL in Friday's practice. That's according to ESPN's Adam Schefter and Diana Russini, who are reporting that he's expected to miss the rest of the 2021 season. Further emphasizing the importance of signing Odell Beckham this week, But, I mean, when Beckham signed Taylor, he was probably going to be their number three option there. Now, obviously, he catapults himself as the number two guy in L.A. I don't think he's going to have to worry about many balls being thrown his way because, look, there's there's hardly anybody else there in L.A. outside of Cooper Cup to throw to now. Um, But that Woods injury, boy, that could not have come at a worse time for the Rams as they were really gearing up to unleash that offense in, in a way that I don't know if any of us were anticipating, but Woods' injury, I don't think will have as big of an impact now that they've got Beckham there, but that's a, that's a really big safety blanket that Matthew Stafford likes to throw to. Yeah. And look, you never root for injuries in the NFL, especially a guy like Robert Woods, a, you know, a world-class person on top of a world-class athlete. And, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. I know it's a divisional rival. You want to beat them. You, you don't wish them to have success, but you don't wish ill will on your team, on your opponents, right? You you want to beat them the right way. And, look, I was kind of looking forward to seeing what this three-headed wide receiver monster looked like going up against some of these DBs in this league and, you know, what could Matt Stafford do with some weapons like this? But, uh, yeah, no Woods. Still, they have Cooper Cup, who's on a historic tear right now. And, oh, yeah, Odell Beckham, who might be able to bounce back from injury. But, Curtis, fun fact, their uh, projected Super Bowl odds not impacted after the <laughs> signing of Odell Beckham. So, betters not thinking that Odell Beckham will have that big of an impact. Fans, other story, but uh, Vegas... Not so much. The Sharks in Vegas, they know way too much. They 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 probably know what's going to happen in our lives before it even happens, oh, yeah. oh, which yeah. is the most bizarre thing. Uh, yeah, I saw that. I saw that, too. It was plus 800 for the Rams to win the Super Bowl. I, I tend to agree. I, I don't necessarily think Odell Beckham is going to be this savior. I think the addition of Von Miller is going to have a much bigger impact on that Rams team than Beckham. 
Uh, especially, I mean, adding to a pass rush that's already really good. Leonard Floyd, uh, Aaron Donald obviously being maybe the greatest pass rusher ever when his career is said and done. Uh, that's going to be a defensive line that I don't wish anybody to face, especially Russell Wilson, who is going to have to face them at one time, or at least one time, the remainder of the season. Elsewhere in Las Vegas, it has been just the most tumultuous season I think a franchise can have in terms of off-the-field stuff. Obviously, the resignation of John Gruden. Then you have Henry Ruggs' DUI resulting in death. Uh, I mean, what more can a franchise deal with? Uh, John Gruden, we got the news yesterday that he is suing the NFL and Roger Goodell, claiming he was targeted by the league and commissioner with the release of his emails from a decade ago. Now, we're not going to get into whether or not that was the issue, releasing the emails. I think the issue remains, why are the rest of the 650,000 emails not being released and those ones were? That, to me, is incredibly confusing. And I think there, I don't think there's anybody out there, when they read this story, that were like, oh yeah, that seems right for the NFL to do, to hide the rest of these 650,000 emails. No, if you're going to release a handful of them and target one guy, why not release all of them? And remember, Curtis, this stems from a Washington football team investigation, yeah. not from an investigation into Las Vegas or the Raiders or any part of that. This is all about the Washington football team. And you mean to tell me that no one in that organization has been punished, has been talked about, any of their emails in this regard leaked or, or discussed in a way that Gruden's were? It's baffling. And I know we mentioned it a couple weeks ago, but uh, there's something going on here. And whether or not it's intentional or unintentional, uh, the NFL is doing something that I don't like and fans should be weary to. Look, this doesn't excuse anything John Gruden did, but let's not excuse the NFL for, for putting him out and letting him take all the arrows for some owners and some other people who I believe have done some incorrect things as well. Yeah, just, I mean, looking across the NFL and just all the stories of, you know, horror stories of owners across the league. I mean, Jerry Richardson's no longer an owner with Carolina, but I imagine he's on those emails. I imagine Dan Snyder is because, look, they're investigating his team. And Dan Snyder, as we know, not necessarily a, a good guy, not somebody who you would invite over for Thanksgiving in a couple weeks. Uh, so it, it does feel like the NFL's looking out for its own and using John Gruden as a fall guy here. Uh, I don't... I don't think it's right that one person should be the you know the one target in this thing. I, I think they should absolutely make sure that everybody's treated fairly in this situation. Uh, also in the NFL, some injuries to watch out for when you're setting your fantasy lineups, or you should have your fantasy lineup set Thursday. Uh, but Mike White, he'll be the Jets' starting quarterback on Sunday. He had that huge game in his very first start, thrown for over 400 yards, and then also got off to a good start against the Colts, then got hurt. He's back in the starting lineup for the Jets. The team wants Zach Wilson to be fully healthy when he returns, but Taylor, do we have a quarterback controversy on our hands in New York with the number two overall pick, Zach Wilson, and little old Mike White? Well, Curtis, Mike White's debut was second only to Cam Newton's as far as production goes. So I'm going to say, yeah, let the QB controversy start. 
Zach Wilson, I'm just not a, I'm not a big Zach Wilson guy. I said it before the draft. Just something about him. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm not a big fan. But Mike White, I don't know anything about him other than that he balled when he got the chance. So let's keep it going. Let's keep this uh, Jets weirdness happening in the AFC East, which is upside down as is with the Patriots running, you know, going on a run. The Bills dropping a confusing game. It's the Dolphins. Who knows what's going on there? The Jets. Who knows what's going on there? So, yeah, chaos ball here for it. Let's let's keep it going, Mike White. Well, you bring up Mike White tying Cam Newton's debut record. Cam Newton in the news this week reuniting with the Carolina Panthers on a one-year deal. He'll get paid almost $10 million if he meets all of his incentive bonuses for the remainder of the season. I don't think anybody saw this coming when it happened. I mean, the Panthers made that big trade for Sam Darnold this offseason. Matt Rule at multiple instances this season saying Sam Darnold is our starting quarterback. quarterback, And then Darnold gets hurt. Now it's like, all right, who do we got? Darnold comes back. He's he's ineffective now they've got cam newton in the fold who won't start this week but it appears as though newton will start next week do you think cam has anything left in the tank and i I mean it's great to see him back with carolina i mean that just feels right but do you think there's anything left in that surgically repaired shoulder of his ah i i don't know we're gonna Look, I I hope so, because when Cam Newton was playing at his best, the league was so much fun, and he was such a great player to watch play. I mean, he could take it down and run, barrel over linebackers. He could throw a dime 40, 50 yards down the field. So Cam was one of the most fun people to watch when he was healthy. So would love to see him bounce back. You know, Scott Fitterer from this area, um, talked about what went into the process to get him back there and Matt Rule I think is a great coach I think he could really get the most out of him so he's going to a situation that will lend itself to be positive to him and and what possible comeback he could make so if he's going to do it Carolina is the right place for it to happen and that's for sure you always uh you can always go home again at least Cam Newton figuring that out this week uh, it will be. Uh, it, it feels right seeing him in that Carolina black and teal, uh, that number one jersey that we're going to see him in. Even though he's not the quarterback that he used to be, and I, I know here in Seattle he's always been one of the bigger rivals of the Seahawks, one of the bigger uh, sports villains in this town. But look, what he has accomplished in his career, I think, definitely deserves a tip of the cap. Even though this may kind of be his swan his swan song in the NFL. Uh, also in the NFL, some injuries to watch out for at the running back spot. Nick Chubb and Alvin Kamara both out this Sunday. Adjust your lineups accordingly. And then Kyler Murray remains a game-time decision. He missed last week's game because of that ankle, ankle injury he suffered against Green Bay. Selfishly, Taylor, I kind of hope Kyler Murray is out next week, too, if he misses this week because that's who the Seahawks play after playing Green Bay. If they want to right this ship... May not be uh, may not be a bad thing if Kyler Murray's not out there. Yeah, look, I'm not rooting for Kyler Murray to get hurt, like I said earlier. But since he's already hurt, take your time, get ready, get healthy. There's no rush. You got a long <laughs> career ahead of you. 
many more Seahawks Cardinals matchups in your future. Take this one off. Take the day for yourself. Uh, do some meditating. I know you're big into that. It's your football celebration. So hop up on a rock like Grogu and the Mandalorian and get yourself some meditation. Skip the game and uh, worry about the Seahawks maybe at the end of the year. That is our trip around the NFL. When we return here, we take a little bit more of a look here at this Packers-Seahawks matchup. What will be the key to victory for the Seahawks? And what is something they absolutely have to account for in trying to slow this Packers offense down? We talk that next year on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Well, we said we were going to talk Seahawks Packers in this segment, but there has been some more breaking news regarding the situation involving Jimmy Lake at the University of Washington uh, with him serving a suspension currently. He will not coach today against ASU. Mike Varell of the Seattle Times with a uh, with another report today, just about five minutes ago, this story breaking that Jimmy Lake faces more allegations of shoving players, including an incident in a 2019 game when he was still an assistant with the Washington Husky program. Uh, in this alleged incident, uh, it happened at halftime of Washington's game against the Arizona Wildcats on October 12th, 2019, the Huskies were trailing 17-13. Uh, in that game, as Varel points out, the defense looked strong in the first half and the offense looked pretty weak in the first half. Lake uh, then... Now, this is the account of five separate eyewitnesses. This is not just the account of one or two people. This is five separate witnesses, according to Varel of the Seattle Times that Lake entered the locker room. He began to yell and walk down the rows occupied by offensive players, eventually approaching Quinton Pounds, a veteran wide receiver. Five eyewitnesses told the Times in separate interviews. Uh, the witnesses were not made aware of details from the other accounts or the identities of the other anonymous sources, but still provided similar accounts. Uh, one eyewitness says this Lake comes in on just a complete rampage, pretty much picks up Quentin pounds and throws him into a locker. Those lockers there were wooden lockers and it was violent. It really caught everyone by surprise. It was really unprompted. He just kind of did that and then went on a tangent about the offense needs to start playing better. Uh, Lake issued a statement to the Seattle times on Friday saying this, I absolutely deny anything improper went on at halftime of the university of Arizona game in 2019. There were numerous witnesses in the game from equipment room to football to staff to strength and conditioning coaches, and no one came to me with concerns after halftime after the game. Never. To my knowledge, there's never been any complaints launched by anyone related to anything that happened during that game, and nobody from the university has ever raised any issue with me about what occurred in, locker, in the locker room at halftime. I wasn't aware of any issue until now. So, another explosive allegation of Jimmy Lake getting physical with a player. We saw that happen on the sideline. Now there's, you know, a lot it's it's very subjective. Uh the video evidence that we saw on Saturday with him and Ruparake Fuavai, you know, did he or did he not cross the line in how he tried to settle down that situation? I got to say Taylor, very interesting with the timing of this report coming out. 
it kind of feels like UW is is building their case to fire Jimmy Lake with cause. Hundred percent. This is that. That's exactly what I was thinking. That this this is all part of the case on how they will separate themselves from Jimmy Lake in a way that will not backfire with any sort of lawsuits. And again, this is this is just the Seattle Times, but five different eyewitnesses. If you read this article, it's extensive. I mean, it just goes on into detail in more detail. It's a great piece of journalism from Mike Farrell. So touche uh, from him to, to, to go and do this. But Curtis, all of this aside, let's just talk pure football. You can't have this guy leading the team. This is how he reacts. And our, and our good friend Ray Roberts talks about it all the time. And he's taken leadership classes. He's a, a, a massive leader in the Special Olympics and with the Seahawks. And he talks about how there is no place in coaching of any kind to get physical or to use your strength over these kids, other people to teach that's not how you become an effective leader and to me this just shows jimmy lake is not the right leader to this uw team especially now but but ever you 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 cannot act this way you cannot be a leader of men a a person who is supposed to take these high school boys and turn them into adult men and, and and active members in society you can't be that making $10 million and act this way. It's, it's incorrect and it's inappropriate. And um, if this is true, I think he should be out instantly. It shouldn't even be suspending more games. He should be done. So, um, but we have to let it play out, right, Curtis? We have, to, we have to see what else comes to light from this situation. Yeah, and, and I think that's a big reason as to why Jimmy Lake is suspended at this point is because they're trying to figure out the buyout situation. I don't think there's any real gray area about that. Why else would you suspend him when you don't want him coaching when, and there's really no desire to keep him beyond this season? In Varel's article, uh, there are no comments made by Jen Cohen, the university's athletic director, or Anna Marie Koss, who is the university president, Neither one of those uh, women have made comment on this, which means I, I would imagine that either A, this is news to them, or B, that they knew about this and are still building their case to fire with cause. Uh, it it, it kind of boggles the mind that everybody signed off on Jimmy Lake being the pre, or being the successor to Chris Peterson when. I mean, we're seeing the red flags play out in front of our very eyes where recruiting is down and his decision to hire John Donovan. Now, this is just football-wise. John Donovan, that made no sense at the time when they brought him in, and it really made no sense when they continued to trot him out as offensive coordinator after the Montana game, after the Michigan game, when they could not move the ball at all. Uh, you look at their decision to continue with Dylan Morris this season when Sam Heward, being the heralded prospect that he is, sits on the sideline. Now, with three games remaining in the season, you got to wonder if Heward doesn't want to play so that he doesn't burn that red shirt. But I can't imagine he would be any worse than what Morris has been this season, or at least as ineffective as Morris has been this season. You add that 
to these two incidences, one that we saw with our very eyes last week, and, and whether or not that was you know a shove or not, you had the uh, hit to his chin, and then also to shove him away from the pile was it was it wasn't just the first thing; it was also the second thing last week. You add that to this report, where five eyewitnesses—not one, not two, but five people—in that locker room say that that happened. I, I just I don't see how you can come back from that, or how you can justify bringing Jimmy Lake back. After all these details, after all these uh, things have have come out about him and have come out about the program in just a couple of years, I, I I saw the other day somebody mentioned on social media, I forget who it was, but it was like when Chris Peterson was in charge, you that was somebody who never ever you would have never thought would ever gotten physical with somebody because because of the respect that he demanded and commanded from his team. That was a coach that his words were were more than enough to get everybody in line, that were more than enough to get everybody to follow. And Jimmy Lake clearly is not that kind of coach based off of what we've seen this season and just how he hit the panic button against Oregon. That's really what it was. You've got to find somebody that can command the respect of these 18-, 19-year-old guys because – Look, if you don't, if you lose that locker room, you're going to lose on the field and you're going to lose your job. And it just comes at a, a terrible time, right? The basketball team is struggling. Do they have to make a move with Hop over there? Curtis, you mentioned it. It's going to be, what, almost $20 million to, to move away from these two coaches, which it seems like, if you ask most UW fans, that's the move they need to make. And to, to have to spend $20 million to do that is something is quite a lot. So UW is in such a hole. And here's another terror scenario for you Husky fans out there. The transfer portal is quite open and players can leave the the school and go elsewhere with ease now. And what if the school across the state gets a, a head coach that runs the air raid that runs that, you know, high volume passing offense and UW signs another you know, run-oriented offensive coordinator, does Sammy Heward want to be the guy who hands the ball off 30, 40 times, or does he want to be the guy who throws the ball 30, 40 times and shows his skill set? So buckle up, dog fans. It's going to get uh, bumpy. Chris Peterson, though, couldn't get him over the hump. Quite the bummer. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, I mean, you look at just this Husky program and where it is now compared to where it was just two years ago. I mean, what they played in the Rose bowl at the end of the 2018 season, January, new year's day, 2019, they were playing in the Rose bowl. Uh, they made it to three straight new year's six bowl games. They didn't win any of them. Uh, you know, small detail there, but they made it that far. How do you not, continue that momentum i mean you look at saturday last saturday against oregon a perfect example you beat them 70 to 21 at autzen stadium in that 2016 season and here we are and oregon has not just caught you but they have lapped you in that amount of time you cannot let that happen if you're washington and yet here we are i mean oregon went through three different head coaches in three seasons i think they went through four different head coaches in the span of six seasons went chip kelly mark helfrich willie taggart now mario cristobal 
like you had them on the ropes and now here we are in 2021 and you are just you're a footnote in the Pac-12 North when you should be running the thing. It's it's truly mind-boggling. I never thought I'd see it. I didn't think I'd see it with Jimmy Lake. I didn't think I'd see it with Chris Peterson or whoever came there afterwards. It felt like the ball was rolling and the program was moving in the way UW fans think it should, right? And that they should be a top 25, a national power. And now they're barely relevant in the Pac-12 North. Oregon State might be more relevant than the dogs at this moment. And it's it's crazy crazy talk to to think like that but that's where we are as a as a conference as as a division the pac-12 north and uh again i don't see it getting better quickly it's gonna be rough here for a little bit so again uw fans i i feel for you i say it with jest because i'm a coog fan but i truly feel for you because i i think when the apple cup matters is when the pac-12 is at its best and having an apple cup be irrelevant is not good for me either. So I'm hoping things get figured out there. I'm on like quickly. Cause uh, boy, oh boy, it got bad quick. Yeah. This is going to be easily the weirdest apple cup since 2008. I don't think that's a oh, yeah. hyper hyperbolic thing to say no. uh, with neither head coach, probably from the start of the season, making it to that game for different reasons. But who could have seen this coming two years ago if you did, I'd like to have you buy a lottery ticket for me. Uh, that would be a, a really nice thing, a nice gesture for you to do. Uh, yeah, got a couple <laughs> questions for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but coming up next here on Seattle Sports Saturday, it is time for our shout-outs. It's time for your shout-outs. Who are you shouting out this week? Text that into the Mac and Jack's text line, 206 421-3776 is the number to text. We give you ours. We hear from you next here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. As we do each and every week here on Seattle Sports Saturday, we give you our shout-outs. We hear from you. You text yours in to the Mac and Jacks text line, 206-421-3776. By the way, if you missed any of our two hours this morning and this afternoon, make sure you're downloading the podcast at 710sports.com. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Leave us a review, five stars only, of course. Uh, but, yeah, you can download us anywhere you get your podcast. You can download any hour of any show that you missed this week. On 710 ESPN Seattle, a lot of great, lot of great content this week on uh, 710 ESPN. Uh, plenty of Seahawks talk. Obviously, we're in the midst of Seahawks season, but also uh, with the Jimmy Lake situation at UW, a lot of Husky talk, a lot of Mariners hot stove talk this week. By the way, make sure you're downloading Shannon Dreyer's Mariners Week That Was podcast because uh, that is always a goldmine for anything that you missed on the Mariners' front this week. It's brand new. I believe last week was the first week of it, so uh, make sure you're checking that out, especially during the off offseason. Uh, but, Taylor, it is time for our shout-outs here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Who do you have uh, to shout-out this week? Yeah, mine's not really a sports one, Curtis. It's more of a, a worldly one here, and we, we've talked about it before. I know I've talked about it before, but... Veterans Day, Remembrance Day around the world for other people in the Commonwealth uh, was on Thursday. 
So first, foremost, always the troops, right? The people, the veterans, the people who are selfless enough to put themselves in harm's way to protect others. And there's really nothing more that needs to be said about what they do and the, the heroism and the courageousness, the, the courage that it takes to do that. So to everyone past, current future who who enlists in any of the branches of the military in any of the countries uh and, and you put other lives above yours it's truly the most heroic thing you can do as a human so a tip of the cap a tip of all of the uh the sports caps and helmets and everything in the world to them i know all the leagues um do something to support veterans day and you know it's uh it's important day so i'm glad to uh be on here talking about it and uh Supporting the troops, as always. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Veterans Day this week, it's always a great time for reflection, but also a great time to be thankful for uh, what we've got here in the United States. And, and it would not be possible without the bravery of all those who have served or are serving, or like you said, who, who want to serve. Because uh, it is not it is not an easy call to make uh, for someone who wants to go uh, serve the country. You've got to be willing to sacrifice literally everything if that's uh, what you want to do. And and we here at 710 uh, throughout the week, I, I know I th- I'm pretty sure every show, you know, gave their thanks at some point in some fashion this week. Uh, but we want to do our part here too here on Seattle Sports Saturday and just say thank you uh, for all that you have done here uh, to make it so that we can do what we do and and do what all of us do and that's just live our lives uh here in the united states and and you know be safe from all that uh is is out there in the world and and you know we can't thank you enough for for everything that you've done uh to protect us and to keep us safe yeah, although I know some people would be like, hey, well, maybe just uh, don't fight too hard for the Saturday show. You can you can sit back and sort of let them cruise past if you need. But no, in all seriousness, um, yeah, just a, a big thank you to everyone. Um, again, past, former, and, 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 and present. So, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that is an incredible shout-out. Uh, shout-out to the listeners for making us a part yep. of your morning and afternoon here on Saturday and uh, also uh, shout out to boy. I mean, there's just so much to get to this week. Uh, shout out to people who are in positions of doing the right thing, especially when it comes to youth athletics. There have been uh, yes. a few stories this week, especially, you know, with Jimmy Lake at UW where, you know, he may or may not have put his hands on, on a player at multiple instances, uh, all the coaches that are doing it the right way that are uh, leading and, and setting examples for kids to watch out there. I think that is somebody or, or, or people that deserve to be shouted out here because, uh, you know, just as part of growing up, you play sports or a lot of us have played sports growing up in different facets, at different levels, whatever. And some of the greatest people I know in my life were those that, you know, helped coach me and and were those kinds of leaders and really helped develop people. Um, It is a, it is an incredible responsibility to be given that title of coach and those who hold it in high esteem, those who are uh, mindful of that and don't take it for granted and, and, and 
do some of the things that we've seen done over the last couple of weeks, not just with Jimmy Lake, but like with John Gruden, with the Raiders. I think those coaches are the ones that deserve a tip of the hat. They deserve a shout out because uh, you're molding that next generation, uh, not just of sports fans or athletes or whatever, but just of people. I mean, so often people who play sports growing up, they don't even have a career in sports. So you're just molding society. And uh, I think those people deserve a, a huge shout out as well. Yeah. I mean, that that that's the camp I sort of fall in there, Curtis. You know, Coach uh, Gontroff, Butch Gontroff, Coach Hasty, James Hasty, uh, the Rosaries, Jeff and Joe Rosori. Those coaches, they were my football coaches in high school. And I'm not playing pro sports. I wasn't a pro athlete. I I, I bet you if you asked them then, they would have known that as well. But they instilled a lot of uh, hard work and and positivity into who i am and and what i became as as a man so to them i'm forever thankful in the coaching that they gave me because the the on the field stuff was almost irrelevant compared to the off the field stuff and and becoming a better person and a better member of society so make sure you're thanking your coaches when you have good coaches make sure you're telling them and appreciating them and giving them their flowers while they're still here, right? And still around and you can still appreciate them because there's people and there's coaches out there and there's players I think who would who would like to have those moments back. So let's make sure we're um we're taking care of the people who take care of us and and making sure they know how appreciated they are. So shout out to all the good coaches out there who are doing it the right way, Curtis. Great shout out. Well, thank you. Thank you. That is uh, going to do it for us here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Make sure you are staying tuned, though, to 710 ESPN all day today and also tomorrow. Today, we've got Cougar pregame show coming up at 530 as they take on the Oregon Ducks with a shot at controlling their own destiny in the Pac-12 North. I thought we'd be here. And then make sure that you are staying tuned tomorrow as well. 10 a.m. Seahawks pregame starts with the uh, game against the Packers coming up, uh, you got a three-hour pregame. You got the game itself, and then you've got the postgame following the Seahawks Packers. So, all day tomorrow, Seahawks coverage. All day this afternoon and tonight, you've got Cougars football. Plenty in store for you here on 710. That will do it for us. He's Taylor Jacobs. I'm Curtis Rogers. This has been Seattle Sports Saturday.